Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Hello, adventurers. Thank you for joining us for the season's conclusion of Dawn of Dragons. I'm happy to say we are a go for season five and begun recording and production aiming for a date in early next year, in 2023. In the meantime, we'll be highlighting some of our friends in the shared podcasting space with a series we will call Dice Tower Theater Presents. We hope to expose you all to some examples of other stories you may come to love as well, providing you some new tales to love and discover. This episode is sponsored in part by the Pickety Witch newsletter, community, and patron. The Pickety Witch is run by industry heavyweight and critic Amelia E., who has created a community where pop culture and social activism converge to support positive growth with the world around us. For more details, check out the link in the show notes and make your own impact known. Also, our patrons, J.D. Rose, Daniel Nichols, Haley Munoz, Brian Dowling, Storm Cohn, Rory Richardson, John O'Dell, Michael Schofield, and Jolene Fresquez. Join us supporting the show at patreon.com slash theater where you too could chat with the cast or even participate in a game to help shape this world. Over this season, we've lost some friends and uncovered dark secrets along the way. But still, we cling to hope. All is not lost, though. We have found some new friends as well, and they are powerful allies, to be sure. Well, I've rambled long enough. Now hold on tight to your faith and steal your hearts, my brave ones. Please, join me now in the temple as we prepare to defend our home against the Dark Army. Dawn of Dragons Season 4, Episode 9, Thorn of the Rose. Sunlight began to shine through panes of stained glass, casting sky and rose colors on the clasped gauntlets before my eyes. Protect us, Night Lord, as we protect those who cannot protect themselves. In this we pray. I stood and looked at the temple. A stained glass knight holding a shield at his feet, emblazoned with a red sword and crown. 
His helm bowed slightly in reverence. A depiction of the Night Lord, bowing himself to the divine each of us holds in our hearts. I walked to the doorway, stopping by the font of water. I peered inside and saw my face, tired but ready. I drew my longsword and, holding the blade down, placed it against my chest. Blessed be this blade on this day. May it strike true, if our duty proves to be virtuous. Placing two fingers into the small fountain, I drew a single bead of fresh spring water that broke the light like a perfect diamond. Placing it at the hilt, I bowed in respect as it ran the length of the fuller from hilt to point. The sky was shimmering with gold and violet hues as the sun rose beyond the walls of the keep. I made my way across the courtyard, passing by the great tree. I smiled at its magnificence and absentmindedly nodded at the old friend, as if she could hear me. Part of me wished she could. Keldor! We have prepared the trenches and readied the ballista as ordered. Uh, good. Anything else, sir? I paused for a moment. As I stood there in the center of the courtyard, the tree, temple, and the keep itself now behind me, beyond the young officer I saw the smithy, quartermaster, supply, and the stable. The same stable I lost my faith, friends, and a former life in so long ago. How far we have come. Sir? Oh, oh I, I'm sorry, Dimitri. No. Uh, no, there's nothing more. Uh, thank you. Yes, sir. He turned to walk away. Uh, wait, Dimitri. Sir? May the knight and maiden guide you in your charge today. Thank you, sir. I saw him smile slightly as he straightened the black and red tunic he wore over heavy chain and splint armor. Plate was heavy, but even the chain and splint the infantry wore was quite the burden to move in. Well, hello, Feather Breeze. Yes, yes. It's good to see you too. What's that? <laughs> a carrot. I held a carrot to her muzzle, which she gently took from the palm of my hand happily. I placed my cheek against the white star marking on her chestnut forehead. And I smiled. I ran my hand down the side of her powerful neck. Are we ready, young one? Shall we ride off into storybooks and legends together? Just you and I. <laughs> well, let's not keep Destiny waiting. Squire Tully. Yes, sir. Are you ready for us to suit your role? Please. And thank you. I waited a moment as I saw two other squires wheel in the heavy tack she would be wearing, both to protect her and keep me in proper position. Plate and chain formed protection for her head and an ornate chest plate depicting a single eagle's feather in the center. Not anything menacing. I smiled as it reminded me of her spirit. I saw my saddle. One of the only things showing the leather it was made from, and the muslin skirt and matching chain and plate 
keep us mobile but protect our flanks. I nodded slightly as I left them to their duty. I made my way up the stairs to the outer wall and stone battlements. Then to a small familiar group huddled at the ballista, perched in its corner like a large bird of prey. you've ever tasted. <laughs> Again, we'll take a very hard bite, Savon. But then it actually does taste good. I'm sure it's amazing. The dragons had said they were ready and stood in the courtyard in their human-like forms with Cordelia, Una, and Dabria below me who would accompany them into battle. The hulking, shining form of Chacos joined them, though he and Lorvana would be guarding the keep behind these high walls and those within. Yes, the skies. We will save the first wave for them. Keldor. Hello, Sophie. All is well? Yes, we are ready as we ever will be. Excellent. May the knight and maiden guide you today. She smiled at me slightly and looked back to the ballista. I could tell she was not dealing with this well. And you too. Hey, you know what? I, I remember standing right here long ago, nervous as you are, before we rode out to join in the Battle of the Cheerless Swamp. Erebus, he met me here placed his hand on my shoulder, mirroring what I remembered. I placed a hand on her shoulder. Keldor, what do you say, old friend? I could hear his deep voice in my memory, as if he were right here again, standing next to me, ready to once again meet the challenge together as we had so many times before. I looked into Sophie's eyes. It was as if she could hear him too. The Night Lord rides with us! Push them back! Steady! Twenty of us rode out on horseback to assist the hundred or so souls on foot in our first attack on what remained of their mercenary vanguard. Before our galloping charge, we could see the battle line approaching the 30-foot twin lion statues at the edge of the bridge leading back into the keep behind us. They stood rampant, facing each other, their front paws locked in some eternal wrestle that created a unique archway, greeting those who would be friends and also narrowing any ground assault to the keep, funneling them to the only choice, the 100-foot-long, 20-foot-wide stone bridge across the deep chasm that we rode out on. Now fire! 
Sobey's call and the sound of the ballista rocketing overhead snapped my attention to the skies. From the dark shadow of ground troops we soon would engage with at the front line. Dragons. I saw the blue and red dragons swooping onto the former meadow turned battlefield from the mountain's jagged peaks. Men fell out of the way as the ballista fire drove the would-be assailants from landing their first attack. Our troops parted, allowing us the ability to splash into the first several ranks of their troops, carving a path with our swords and the heavily armored bodies of our brave horses. As I swept my blade into the surge of attacking warriors, I saw their left flank fall in a flurry of arrows. Elevith stood to our left on the high cliffside a hundred yards away with her group of longbowmen. They began launching volley after volley, driving the group further to our right and east. High above, Kogiris slammed into a blue dragon, blasting its face with a fountain of fire as he clutched it with his powerful front mid like claws. The fire washed over its face and back, engulfing the armor-clad rider in the red-orange blades. Terrified, the surprised rider fell from his mount. Arms flailed helplessly as flames trailed behind his plummeting body. Emir flew, rushing past, raking the ranks behind, pouring out of the canyon in a blast of lightning. Lightning streaked across the sky. Emir, who was struck in the left wing, simply shook it off. Hello again, cousin. The two dragons glided briefly in the air before a nine-foot ballista. She looked wide-eyed back at the battlement of Garnet Keep, at the shrugging Sophie, who was faintly standing proud by the war machine. <laughs> she smirked. <sighs> Lucky shot. Midnight fell from her home in the sky into the vast ravine. Her powerful wings unable to obey her as her life escaped from the wound in her throat. The once great veteran of many battles found herself tumbling hundreds of feet into the icy rapids below. We cheered as the remaining vanguard ran back to regroup. Our small victory was cut short by the chilling sound of the marching horde of shambling forms now appearing out of the canyon. Lines and lines of the animated dead, mindlessly marching into Bear Trap Meadow from the path cut in the faraway canyon. My lord, the dead have set upon us. Steal yourself, Dimitri. The sky was darkening now. The clouds in the sky were driven by some dark, powerful magic, shielding the dead from the life-giving rays of the sun. I looked at my blade, past the dark blood now staining it. I concentrated on the blessing I had placed upon it this morning. My lord, please guide my hand. Help me 
to send these restless souls to the very men's realm where they may find peace. What the Something caught my eye on the distant right flank, cliffside. Two forms held each other up as they slipped and slide, navigating the rocky slope down the valley alongside the dead army, who marched without noticing the pair. Something was different about them besides their simply being alive. Archers, ready! I wasn't the only one who noticed them. Elaviv stood on the cliffside opposite them all, archers waiting patiently and disciplined for her command. Who are you? Not orcs. Mercenary? No. It's the armor of the Dark Army officer, but... Hoping to carry an unarmed woman? Wait! A memory ripped through her mind. She also stood elevated, as she did now, but surrounded by flames. Her children running to safety as she protected their escape on the streets of Port Lafour. She saw Benedict running beside Zane, running just like this officer was. Wait! Archers! Hold your fire! She pointed at the shambling infantry and those closest to the fleeing pair on the meadow. Answering her own command, she drew a pair of arrows and shot them into the horde, dropping two rotting corpses to the grassy dirt simultaneously. Arrows followed suit, dropping them one by one and making a path for the fleeing pair as they touched the meadow grasses and ran, holding on to each other. Each one was holding the other up in a fatigued run. I saw them now. I saw who it was, and I wasn't the only one. The huge gold form of Aryan raced overhead as Benedict and Semri tried to outrun the thousands of undead pouring slowly into the grassy meadow. I felt a drop of rain strike a cheek, and another those seconds. Trust me. With one huge golden claw, he reached back and plucked her gently from his back, bringing her underneath his broad chest as he swooped quickly downward over Benedict and Semri. Drawing his great metallic wings over his body and the three friends, he created a dome protecting them. Mindless zombies and skeletons attempted to drive their dull and rusty weapons into the gold form, swarming over it like ants would a careless grasshopper. The remainder of the dead army continued its assault towards us. To battle, my friends! Charge! Again, we charged into their legion. A rusty spear drove through my left calf, knocking my foot out of the stirrup and tossing me from Feather Breeze to the hard ground. Though the ground had taken my wind, I rose quickly, leading with my trusted shield to push them back and clear away for my next sword attack. I chopped hard across the shoulder of one skeletal warrior who shrieked, disintegrating into ancient dust and ash, and leaving nothing but the remnants of the rusty chainmail upon the ground. Pressing forward, my blade bit hard into the next skull, eyes empty save a faint blue-green glow deep within. It drove its jawless head downward before they too evaporated. 
I stepped into the clearing I had created with new, stronger footing. How long I could keep this up against this tide of the undead would only be a matter of moments, I knew. I willingly pressed on into the fray. I could see Demetra, still mounted and mobile twenty or so yards away. Then time seemed to slow. I saw a dark rider appear a few lengths back, slowly marching upon a dead black mare. The rusted and broken armor of the steed fell and waved slowly around exposed ribs like cloth on the wind. Her mane matched her rider's blue-black hair, moving in the same dread breeze. The graceful hand held an unholy longsword clad in blue fire, eyes burning like blue-white embers shining behind her face. A face like you and I, one that was once possibly very beautiful and somewhat familiar. In the name of Lord Pallas, die! set in as I saw her waiting through her soldiers to strike downward into Dimitri's shoulder. The burning blade found its mark, driving him and his steed to be lost in the dark surge below. Her eyes that fell on me. You, Paladin. Your time has come to pay the fairy man. I was frozen in fear. The darkness shrouded my heart darkness without the light of the Maiden's Grace. The skeletal warriors stepped around me, obviously ignoring their dark commander's new quarry. All hope left my heart as I pulled my shield closer to my chest. I was absolutely doomed. As if answering my prayers, a shape had descended above me. Emir swooped low to where Gabriel leaped fearlessly towards the Black Rider. Her armor shone brighter in the light, her arms outstretched. My darkened eyes cleared in that moment to witness her like a dove's approach to land. I saw her twist in the air to mount behind her target, grasping the reins and her hand. Dabria smiled at me as she pulled those reins hard, plunging them back to be swallowed by the tide of the undead. As the shroud of the undead washed around them, separating them from the battlefield physically, Dabria willed their minds and spirits to a single shared space, a familiar space to both. A black sand beach under a rose-gold dawn. She felt the sand and water around her feet. She sat on the edge, cradling her lover in her arms while they looked out across the glistening tide. Hello, my sunbeam. I... I... I remember... Please, just one more moment. Let's just, let's just wait. 
Please. Dabria breathed in deeply, smelling the lavender oil and her black hair mixed with the salt sea. She placed a cheek upon a soft shoulder, committing the embrace to her treasured memories. Then, as if remembering her duty, she pulled back and smiled. I've missed you. And now you... But... Dabria... Why did you leave? Leave us? Leave... Leave this? I've realized he's not the savior we thought he was. What? (laughs) No. No, you are mistaken. She looked into her lover's deep blue eyes. Eyes that matched the ocean behind her. Her devotion to Dabria was only matched by her devotion to Lord Pallas. The man who supposedly saved her from sharing the fate of her destroyed village and lost family. She paused, knowing she had to choose her words wisely. Nightblade would likely not understand or share her feelings about him. Dekion the Dark Cleric was able to control and twist the truth. It would likely set them against each other. I know you feel differently, but... Hear me out. I have found some that have seen him spread a darkness across the land, helping those that took everything away from us. And Dekion... What of him? He's a wise old man, only determined to give the world a better place. A place without death. Do you... Do you believe that he ended death for you? Nightblade looked at Dabria with a sadness behind those eyes, as the scene around them slowly began to fade. Her eyes were now replaced with those glowing blue-white embers, and her skin again became taut and papery as the sky grew dark. No, I... I didn't mean... Not yet. Please. Dabria drew back a tear as the last wave hit the shore, only to become the outlined shattered helmet of a passing undead soldier. Battlefield was an unwelcome change for both of the lovers, now standing upon the ground. Nightblade looked around and sheathed her sword. Deborah, I'll give you this day. She stared at her before closing her eyes, the light twinkling for an instant. Nightblade turned to the shambling mare and mounted. Thrusting her hand upward, the horde began fading into a teal-colored glow. We witnessed thousands of skeletal warriors and raids change into this singular mist. Dabry also held a single hand outstretched to Nightblade. To her son. Nightblade took it gently without hesitation, smiling 
while interlocking their fingers. Goodbye. I saw them as the last thing on that now empty battlefield. Two lovers locked in a struggle to free their entwined souls from their shared burden, each trying to save the other. The Dark Commander then was the last to leave the battlefield. Gabrielle stood there in sudden silence. Keldor, is that... is that more of them? Dimitri, oh, thank God you live. I... I don't know. Make ready! Our surviving force flowed together, regrouping and anticipating this next wave. Weak and breathless, they bravely came to each other's side. Even Sophie and Zoran rode out to join me on the battlefield, all save one. It was then I noticed Dabria hadn't moved from her position in the last ten minutes. She just drew her whip in solitary defiance, as if preparing to meet this army herself. The approaching army appeared in the canyon. But it was not what was expected. Instead of dark and sinister colors, the standards of Twin axes were seen on red, blue, and green banners. Huge carts rolled behind rhinoceros, and at the front they were led by a unit of dwarves riding armored war pigs. We all began cheering, recognizing them as the dwarves of the Garnet Mountains come to help us. Sophie's deep blue eyes washed in hope. Tears streamed down her cheeks as Sophie galloped across the meadow, now bathing in bright sunlight. The army was a welcome sight, but she rode towards one figure. His unwashed, familiar face and bulbous nose peeled back in a wide grin. Sophie dove off the horse, tackling Scottmere off the large boar he rode. Laughing, the two reunited friends rolled on the ground as we all cheered. The tavern was alive with much joy that night. Cordelia sat with Ariat and they discussed their love for magic. She laughed as he displayed small cantrips across the table. Ilona laughed with Benedict as he told a story about Zane's antics. A mother and a wife who had, until recently, thought she was no longer either and was with the boy who survived the fire in her memory and the journey across the battlefield. Semri and Emir listened to Kogiris and Una talk about philosophy and theory neither quite understood, but Emir smiled at his twin and gingerly placed an arm around her, avoiding the mint-smelling bandages on her back and neck. Keldor and Elaviv had been pulled apart by faith and duty. 
But even after her supposed death, finally they were together, loving each other as only those that shared their years of pain could. And Lorvana snuck off to bury herself in her room of blankets, finding some trinkets as gifts. She would show Chacos in the morning. Behind the keep, on the parapet overlooking the moonlit lake, two figures stood. The sounds of the tavern behind them were drowned a little by the cascading waterfall. Sophie, I, I, um, I haven't been completely truthful to you. I just... I just didn't know how to say... <sighs> no. I saw. I... I wondered if, and I hoped. But I saw her, didn't I? Yes. So nightly. That's what happened to my sister. Oh, Cardolin. Dabria placed a single arm across Sophie's shoulder as they both felt the release of knowing and realization wash over them. As the moon spilled her light across the gentle water of the lake, Dabria and Sophie thought on their love for the same woman. The woman that raised both of them. One is a sister and mother, or else there was none. The other as a mentor and lover in a dark life within the army. In the pale light, they looked out on the water together, washed in the memory of the one that, despite everything they knew, they still both loved. The one who today ended the bloodshed because of her love. Dabri and Sophie held each other on that cold stone wall, Love's power truly has no boundaries. You left me feeling like I wasn't enough. Said your thoughts too broken to be loved. But we both know what I'm capable of. And I
Epilogue. She stands on the edge of a stone balcony, a single blue-gray hand clutching the red velvet-lined cloak around her chest. A bright red gem, gilded in gold, is suspended from a single golden chain around her neck, and her hair is blacker than night around her. Flanked by two stone gargoyles, menacingly perched on the railing, she sees five bodies, warm bodies, traveling miles down the road below her ancient castle. Strangers to her land, each carrying their own secrets. Secrets. She smiles to herself. She will look forward to tasting, along with, their blood. Appearing in this episode, Dabria, J.D. Rose, Nightblade, Daphne Bickler, Sophie, Sarah Jenkins, Ariat, Daniel Nichols, Chakos, Scott C. Brown, Elaviv, Jessica Atchley, Cordelia, Midnight, and Squire Tully, Jolene Fresquez, Emir, Harlan Guthrie, Dimitri, Philip Usher, Dark One, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, Erebus, Jesse Jerdak, Keldor the Narrator, Mike Atchley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list can be found in the show notes. If you'd like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address we can send it to. We're looking forward to sharing our story again soon in Season 5. But until then, fellow adventurers, remember the oath.